mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So I can't remember if I said it on the actual episode, but I for sure said it on Instagram where last week I was like, yeah, we've been having to record on Thursdays when normally we record Monday or Tuesdays next week. I, you know, we're going to try really hard to make it get back back to to normal. normal. It's worse. So like we need Maury here right now to be like, determine that was a lie because it is Friday night at 706. Yep. So it didn't even inch towards better. It got worse. Yep. So here we are. Here we are on a Friday night. This is your warning for working in the food service industry. Don't do it. If you want to have any sort of personal life or personal time or Don't work life balance, do it. I do not recommend. <laughs> Two out of ten. Um, so really quick, I thought I would just give a little Mildred update, mm. just for her, you know, her people. She's Our got, queen, yes. Apparently, um, she's doing really well. She has her follow up appointment. It's Friday. Her follow up appointment is on Tuesday. So I guess she we'll, doesn't know. Yeah, nobody tell her. Um, she, to us, she seems to be doing well. I guess we'll hear <laughs> from them. I I'm just really hoping that with this visit, she makes the gram this time. <laughs> because last time we were there for surgery, we had to like sign off on whether or not we were okay with her being on social media. I'm all stage mommy. She didn't make it, but I'm really hoping she makes it this. But I mean, she was having surgery last time. There's no surgery involved this time, so I'm hoping she'll. There's more time for her just to be cute. Yeah. And not be under and, you know. She's hardcore stage mom right now. We have to switch her collar to her March collar. We're behind. We haven't done it yet. Mm -hmm. Hoping she'll end up on the gram. (laughs) If she does, I'll definitely be sharing it to Instagram. Of course. Um, But, you know, there's there's actually one one bummer of Mildred's surgery. Okay. Not the fact that they ripped out all her teeth. Um, Besides that. Okay. And what I'm about to say, you either get it or you don't. Like, I don't feel like there's an in-between. She does not have stinky breath anymore. And I feel like when you talk, to be clear, it's breath, not breath. B-R-E-F. When you you talk about a little baby, it's breath. (laughs) She doesn't have stinky breath anymore. And some people probably are like, that's a good thing. But I'm like, you know, it's kind of sad. Like, now she, like, yawns. And I'm like, man, there's not a single fucking smell. I kind of miss it. I don't. Not at all? No. See, there's something about, here's the thing, cat breath, the worst, the rankest fucking cat breath, it isn't even near, like, dog breath. Mm. It's not on the same level, it's just not. Okay. Or, like, coffee breath. Coffee breath's awful, I it get is. it real bad all the time. But, I don't know, I kind of miss it. That's funny that you don't. So, you're you're in the camp of don't get it? I'm good. Okay, never mind. Well, moving <laughs> on to the next thing, what else do we have? Um, I guess in the that's Mildred it. corner. I guess that's it for the the cat corner, the kitty corner, kitty, <laughs> the corner. kitty corner, kitty there corner. You go. There you go, mm. kitty corner. God we workshopped it. it for a little that's bit. Good. We got it at that's the good. end. Everybody heard it in real time. <laughs> okay, so this is episode thirty-seven. So it's the Mariella. Mariella. Yeah. It's a little more ethnic than I was expecting. It's a. Uh, it's number six for Pastanana. Okay. 
But this episode is called Big Family and Big Sandy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why are we going to talk about Sandy's size? Yeah. And it's premiered on June 16th, 2009. So the episode starts with Lego explaining that they're getting ready for the ATI conference, which is the highlight of their year, but it's a lot of work to get ready for it. Mm-hmm. And that it's taking them weeks of preparation. So he then explains that the Advanced Training Institute is a character-based education program, but that really this is an old-style family camp. <laughs> Jessa has packed all the clothes, per usual. They said that Jessa's the organizer. when, And you see her. You see the various kids kind of bringing things into the main room, and you can kind of see her, like, tying things together and organizing and labeling. And Yeah, if you remember back to the early season one after the specials when they are going to New York. Yep. When she does like a whole day in a grocery bag for a kid. Mm-hmm. That's her that's her little system. So she's packed all the clothes and it's the night before and they just have like the little kids sleeping in the bus so they don't have to wake them up in the morning and move them. They're just kind of there ready in to khakis. go. In khakis. <laughs> I now I'm now that's all I notice. So yeah. I looked and I said every boy's asleep in the bus dot 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 in khakis. Well, the, the only unfortunate thing is sometimes when I go to do the visuals for Instagram, I I see stuff I didn't see in the initial run through. Okay. Because I'm paying so close attention to the part that I want to get the picture of. Because I'm literally <laughs> yeah. taking pictures of the TV screen. When I was talking about... <laughs> Behind the, little, the scenes. <laughs> when I was talking about one of the little boys wearing jeans mm-hmm. to bed, he was also cr- like in his little like crook of his arm. Wasn't a teddy bear. It was a can of Pringles. <laughs> yeah i did see that so now i'm like oh my god there's so many things but anyway so they wear jeans to bed they they're, they're they you know they get lulled to sleep with a cuddling with pringles you get why they're Hot. so important to them now Hot, man so now it's the next morning and we get the wonderful privilege of hearing <laughs> michelle say good morning sunshine <laughs> to one of the little girls if you slowed that down and put creepy piano music with it, it'd be a horror movie trailer. Yeah. Or with like a slow cover of like Mad World. Yeah. You, re- oh, yeah, you know yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of trailer. Mad World. <laughs> um, but I now All I feel like I know. me are familiar faces. <laughs> I think I know how I'm waking you up every morning now. Oh, creepy. I'll just roll over and say. Pick another way. Good morning, sunshine. Tim is going to be afraid to wake up. He's going to be afraid to go to sleep now. I'm afraid to wake up as it is. I got to go to work. <laughs> so, like I said, it's the morning now. And Jill is saying how she's excited because you get to see friends you only see once a year. And then the camera guy asks if there's lots of boys there. And she's like, um, yeah, probably. And I'm kind of with Jill on this. Are you with Jill on this? I Go ahead. Finish your statement because I have something is, to say about this. Like, these questions are getting tired. Like, I don't know. I, I'm just, it's like, can we come up with something better? They're, I feel like they're constantly like, are there boys there? Are you going to meet your future spouse there? Like, it's like constant. I'm just like, yeah. I'm with Jill where she's just like, probably some fucking boys there. Like, what do you want from me? I rewatched this part multiple times because I wanted to see, like, was there any sort of tell that kind of made them ask that question and there was so if you watch that chunk when um they were like what do you 
like what are you excited about and she's talking about it and um i specifically wrote on here that she said there's lots of and she looks she like side eyes away like she's nervous and then she looks back and goes uh people there so i feel like there was that conceit where like at that age especially when this is kind of the only interaction with the other gender of people that aren't in their family i feel like that's a relatively natural question i do feel like it's overplayed but i feel like that was also she kind of led into that a little bit okay i feel like i didn't pick up on that so i'll have to i maybe i was just so focused on like we fucking get it you know like i might have been so focused on that i didn't catch that part well like in the moment when she was talking i felt like a sitcom audience member because when they said it i was like woo, and then you're watching full house exactly (laughs) but like i said she looked to the side and then looked back and continued saying uh people so it's it's a very like nervous like preteen teenage young teenager like like way of describing that yeah So Lego says, like we've discussed before, that this conference is where Josh and Anna met three years earlier. Mm -hmm. Anna says, we met at the concession stand. Great place to meet. (laughs) And then Pess follows up with, yeah, well, you are what you eat, so. (laughs) It's such a not appropriately timed joke. It makes me me a little mad. (laughs) Your timing's real bad, buddy. I mean, we, we know that... The Duggar diet is certainly not like exemplary by any means, but if it's true that you are what what you eat, what the fuck were they feeding Josh? Is what I want to know. <laughs> Pringles, and uh, yeah, lots of Pringles and some beef jerky. He probably <laughs> smells like beef jerky. He looks like the type to smell like beef jerky, don't you think? <sighs> he has dust on his fingers, and he smells like a the inside silica packet of a jerky bag. <laughs> So, once again, they're waiting on Jim Bob, and the camera guy and producer say, he runs on a different clock, I think. Because they're just like, what are you guys doing? They're like, waiting on the Duggars. Well, Jim Bob, more specifically. Yeah. Which shows you where Pest gets it from. Oh, yeah. You know, just like five, ten minutes late. You know, that's all. They can wait. They want you to be there 45 minutes early, but they can wait 20 minutes after. It's the same thing. This scene produced one of my favorite Jill lines I've heard so far. Go for it. So they show uh, Lego hair getting shoes, putting shoes in a in like a Walmart bag. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I gotta get these, and I'm gonna I gotta get these for John David. Like he's kind of like hunched over gathering shoes out of the closet. And it, if I remember correctly, she's holding a child. She is. What are they not? And she gives the most are you fucking kidding me look I've seen out of a Duggar in this entire show. And her exact line was, she looks at him like all attitude and says, you got a pair of shoes for every day, huh? She's judging. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. You got a pair of shoes for every day, huh? Yeah. And she's just looking at him. Hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she judged face. My favorite Joe moment so far. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was good. I was like, you know, just I live for those little sparks. And she's one of the ones that has so few. Yeah. Like, we see them out of some of the other ones. Like, Jana's kind of bitchy. <laughs> like, she has her <laughs> bitchy moments or, like, whatever. But it's so rare to see Jill kind of be like, the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a really good visual. 
So they end up getting ready to take off about 7.35 when the goal had been 7. So he's like, that's pretty good by our standards. You know, like he's pretty, he's pretty okay with this. Now, as a new listener, real quick, I feel like every time they take a long trip, there is a scene of Jim Bob going, well, we're only 45 minutes late. We're only 30 minutes late. Every single time it happens. And I think when you look at it through no context, you're like, oh, man, getting all of those kids ready to go for a big trip obviously takes a lot longer than you think. But then you see the truth that it's him. It's you. Justice had everything done the night (laughs) before. Justice got this shit handled. Yeah. The girls are taking care of the kids and fucking feeding them. What the? And you can't put fucking eight pairs of shoes in a Walmart bag in, the night before? One for every day of the week. Ugh. <laughs> so it's about a six-hour trip, he says. But with stops, he thinks it'll be around eight hours. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> I want a spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, so he's hoping for about a 3.30 p.m. arrival. And he says, quote, Hopefully we don't have any breakdowns, any problems. Which is a bit of foreshadowing, as yep. you can probably imagine. Mm-hmm. So, they re- they retell what we talked about in the last homeschool deep dive about like when Josh was a baby, how they met a family with nine kids, and they say that we're so close and mature for their age. <laughs> Lego says um, he watched their kids become each other, like their own kids. Yeah. He's watched them become each other's best friends and excel in their studies. Well, they're the only people that are around so i they don't have a whole lot of options (laughs) it's like uh jessa beat all the other 16 year olds or whatever (laughs) every eight months the baits come around like (laughs) they're in a class all their own literally (laughs) merp so michelle says quote the main emphasis was on building good character they really really hit that talking point don't they yeah and I think that's what sold us on it. Um, she says, we decided that this was what we wanted to use for our family. So then they end up stopping for lunch. And Mich- they're doing Duggar Cam, which is when they're filming themselves. Mm-hmm. That's whenever it's Duggar Cam. Yep. And Michelle says, where are we? I don't know where we're at. And one of the boys, do you have it written down? Do you want to say it? I don't know. Go ahead. One of the boys says, lost something. Because they're at a Mexican restaurant in Oklahoma. But he's like, lost something. Lost something. (laughs) It felt very Chris Farley from SNL. He plays a character named El Nino. And he comes on and he's like, I am El Nino. That's Spanish for the The Nino. Nino. (laughs) It's like they're at lost something having grande plates of beans. Yep. Grande plates of beans. Yep. yep, yep, That's a callback. And they were even like showing off their plates. They're like, I got a taco and beans. And yeah. (laughs) And they called it Spanish food. Yeah. yeah, Michelle was like, you love Spanish food. Spanish food. Not exactly the same. The entire country of Spain is so offended right now. They're facepalming. They're all facepalming collectively and they're not sure why. (laughs) So now they're back on the road. When a tire blows out on the tra- trailer that they're hauling, they've got the so they've got this huge ass tour bus, literal tour bus, and then yeah. they have this huge ass trailer behind them. And I'm like, how are they hauling all of that? It just seems like a lot on one thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But a tire blows, and turns out that Lego doesn't have the right extension for it's a socket wrench, right? Yeah, he doesn't have the right extension for it, and he doesn't have the four way like the cross that has all the different sized sockets in it. 
So he said he forgot the four-way, so he's having to use a socket wrench. So then he ends up having to like dig through the bus, and in somewhere he finds like a little piece of pipe. Mm-hmm. So he ends up putting that onto it, and it works. So mm-hmm. they're able to take the tire off and whatnot. Um, but the reason I even talk about this is more because I just wanted to point out that Lego's hair is quite must. <laughs> Did you notice? No. So I don't think he put near enough hairspray in that morning because he always talks about how, like, you know, oh, you know, he doesn't have, he even talks later in the episode. You know, I was always, you know, running a comb through my hair, looking at it every couple hours, but now I just put a ton of hairspray in the morning. I don't have to worry about it. And it's like concrete. I don't think he did enough because his hair was quite must. I didn't realize. Visuals, visuals. Yep. Um, Yeah, it's like it was no longer molded in place. Now they were on the side of the road trying to fix a tire on the roadside so it wasn't on the outside um so there was a lot of kind of wind and natural elements that i don't think he was prepared for he probably learned from that and then you know from then on out an extra like six layers the next yep. few days made himself a hair mitt mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. so it's now the next day and they're at the camp Ooh, i have one thing oh go ahead. there was a kind of an insight into the fact that uh Josiah's kind of thoughtful. I thought that at first too, but then they ended up then you end up hearing that they asked him to do it. Is that true though? So the whole point of it was that while they were waiting for the bus to get fixed or the trailer to get fixed, he made a comment. They show him like going out to pick like wild flowers that are on the side of the road. And then there's a point where he's like, well, the girls kept talking about it. So I decided to come and get them for him. See, I thought that. And I thought I heard them say we asked him to go get them for us. Go get I don't know. What it, I, don't, I thought he maybe he said it. We'll have to rewatch it. But I because I, re, I specifically thought in that moment that I was like, is he that kid, that boy that is thoughtful and kind of a sweetheart, but doesn't want people to know? So that's his way of being like, well, they asked me to, you know what I mean? Maybe you're right. Yeah, you're you're right. But I like initially I was like, oh, that's sweet. And then I was like, oh, they asked him. So then that's why I didn't write it down, I think. But you're right. Maybe. I don't know. That's what it felt like to me where it was like he's doing something nice for his sisters. But my sisters asked me to do it. (laughs) But I don't want anybody to know. Yeah. Yeah. So he went and picked them little a little bouquet of wildflowers. (laughs) Yep. Anything else? Nope. I'm done. So now it's the next day and they're at the camp and Lego says that they, you know, <laughs> they had aimed to get there at three thirty, right? <laughs> they ended up getting there at seven o'clock, 7 o'clock at, at night. night. Yep. So not quite the three thirty they were hoping for, but a six hour trip turned into eleven and a half <laughs> hours. Yep. But part of me is like again with like all of the hauling, I'm like, they can't drive that fast. There's no way that they can drive very fast. Right. There was really crazy winds. They say that there's always storms when they go through. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you were ever going to make it there in eight, buddy. Like, yeah. not a chance in fucking hell, even with stops. So we see a bit of their setup, which is pretty legit. Mm-hmm. They have a golf cart, an RTV, picnic ta- multiple picnic tables, a grill, mm-hmm. um, a, like a full-blown like home refrigerator, and 18 bikes. Yep. Just to give a little idea of all the shit that they hauled <laughs> i mean when i saw the full-blown refrigerator i'm like it makes sense yeah for like as long as they're there like coolers aren't gonna fucking do it mm-hmm. but i was like oh shit they have a full fucking refrigerator here. yep and there is a scene where they're 
where Cannon and uh, Lego Hair are riding the the golf cart, and then it's like the, a couple of the older kids are in the are in like the ATV, and then um, all of the other kids are behind them on their bikes. Like and they said the it was one point seven miles or something like that. I don't know why one point seven is sticking mm-hmm. out to me, but. It was far where they needed to go. So Mm -hmm. they're like, Michelle was like, I'm glad I wasn't doing that on a bike. (laughs) Like, I don't think her, I don't think her crotch can handle that after everything it's been through. Can you imagine that thing on a bike seat? Hasn't it gone through enough? (laughs) I know. Like, I can, I can barely handle an hour and a half on a bike seat. (laughs) Then I'm like, you want to put this lady on one? Right. Her prolapse happening? I don't, don't, no thank you. No thank you. But the reason that they were doing that long trek was because they're it's it looks like like the meeting center type area correct and they meet up with the Bates and like always you can kind of tell that production is asking the whole boy girl courtship questions again the same tired fucking questions and then Michelle says anywhere you go where there's a large group of people especially if you have a lot of the same common goals interests you know there's this possibility that you might maybe meet your future spouse there especially when you don't let your kids spend any time with anybody, anybody outside else. of their family it's crazy how that happens wow weird really weird how that happens <laughs> there is when they first get in the room with the baits i made a comment in my notes about john david so hit it i don't think i remember anything so so John David, whenever they talk to him, you can tell that he's a little socially awkward. Like, and I think even you're being a little generous, but yes. Well, yes. what I'm saying is, even outside of the fact that you're homeschooled and the only people around is your family, I feel like there's that level of he's just kind of that quiet yeah, guy, he's just that dude, that's yeah, introspective and probably really like artistic at some level. You know what I mean? Um, Me. So, so you see this whole group of the Bates and the Duggars kind of talking, and he's just kind of standing. There's specifically a frame when Cannon starts talking about them potentially meeting their spouse. That's him standing kind of on the edge of the group looking awkward. And then they immediately cut it with um, little like shots of the Bates girls that are older. And I was like, they're ma- they're making it a thing. Yeah. And I specifically wrote, I think he's just doesn't like big groups. Yeah, like I probably, wouldn't. Yeah, he's got a big. He has to deal with fucking how yep. many people every day, and then there's probably like, oh god, we got to do more. Oh like, yeah. I feel like even in a big family, at some point, this shit has to get fucking old. Like yeah. everywhere you go, it's a fucking big production. Like for certain personality types. Oh, That's God. Not... It doesn't even matter if you have 17 brothers and sisters. It's like, Correct. this shit's old. <laughs> yeah. And the noise. And, oh, like, if you are if you don't want to be around, like, not... a lot of loud noise and chatter. I can't handle a bunch of noise. I would go insane. <laughs> but um, it's funny that you say it. But John David, he, um, way in the future, he talks about, he jokes, like, oh, going to be um, a bachelor till the rapture until he ends up meeting his wife or whatever. And, like, I've, I mentioned before, I feel like he really loves his wife. So I think for him it worked out good or, like, whatever. But Aww. he just always seemed like, I'm not into this, like, bullshit. <laughs> like, right, right. Where am I? Oh, okay. So do you have something else? Mm-mm. So Lego says, so this is after Michelle's, like, you know, they might meet their future spouse. So then... um. Lego says, 
It's neat to meet other families that have similar values and that are headed in the same direction because otherwise our kids would probably think, hey, we're the only ones that are living this life. <laughs> Which I feel like says a mouthful. It's like, yeah, we keep them really secluded. Like think of it outside of what he actually said, but what it can mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we keep them so secluded in such a different type of life that them, yeah, they have no idea that other people exist except for once a year. <laughs> it's the only way they know that they're not the only ones living up, you know, doing this right. shit. <laughs> so then they show a family that comes up to lego and the mom says that they watch their show every week and that they are such an encouragement to their family there goes that word <laughs> then she says that their daughter just had this great idea and they end up asking lego if he will sign a bottle of hairspray for them so this is the part where I referenced it earlier, but he talks about how, oh, yeah, I used to have a comb all the time. Now I just use a bunch of hairspray. Um, I just really wish that little girl could have seen his mussed up hair the day before. Oh, false advertising. Yeah. I, I You know, I feel like it would serve almost as, <laughs> remember, you know, like in like the tabloidy magazines, like there's always that section that's like celebrities. They're just like us. <laughs> and it's like them, like at the grocery store or whatever. <laughs> I feel like if they had... Like an ATI version of it, it would be Boob with his must up hair, hair on the side of the side of the road. Since clearly they think of him as a celebrity. And um when he signed it, I didn't write down which one it was, but he leaves a Bible verse. He did. It's yeah. Proverbs something, but mm. but yeah. And then he tries it. Oh yeah, he gives a little spritz. He gives it a little spritz and he's like, Yeah, that seems to be a good he's one. He's like, Oh good or uh, something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we now see the boys doing some sort of alert activities, repelling and things like that. And Jed, uh, missionary Jed, not uh, artist Jed, since there's just two <laughs> Jeds now. Um, so missionary Jed, he says he doesn't want to because he's afraid of heights, which he yeah. says he got from Ginger. <laughs> yeah. Well, his mom. His mother. Yeah. yeah, I inherited it from my yeah. mother. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> The girls are once again um, momming, but now instead of just momming their their parents' litter, they're also momming the litter of strangers mm -hmm. at the Children's Institute. And somebody has a voice over that says, Jill loves working with kids. And I was like, does she? Does she have any, any other choice? option? Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem like there's any other option. So yeah. let's say she, you love it, right? It's like Jana where it was like, she loves babysitting and chicken yep. noodle soup. But it was just like her whole like thing in life was like, I just love babysitting. <laughs> does she? Or is that all she knows is the oldest daughter? Yep. We get to see Jill like getting her teacher on like trying to calm like a group of kids and there's one kid and he's a Bates kid. I yep. don't know by the name, but it's a Bates kid. You know, when you're a little kid in your chair and you're in a folding chair and you're like sitting in it and you're like half folding it. Yeah. It's and, like, yeah. like it's closing <laughs> up with you close. in it. So she's mm -hmm. trying to fix that and she's like, and we're going to be good and we're going to sing our songs. And she's just, <laughs> she's totally, you know, got teacher voice going. Oh yeah. And then we hear, so Lego says Jill was quote, more wore out at the end of the day than the boys were and laughs. Like this is somehow some big revelation. Oh, surprising. Gee, the girl in charge of everything ends up being more tired than the boys in charge of nothing. Who would have thunk it? And the boys that were out playing and the girls that were working. <laughs> but it's a real mystery why she, you know, it's just really funny that she was so much more tired than the boys. It's <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Right. <laughs> 
So then we're introduced to Jim Sammons, who created the Financial Freedom Seminar that we discussed in the episode 12 deep dive. Um, on the screen, they have him like listed as Duggar's financial guru. And I'm like, are they okay with the word guru? I don't feel like they would be okay with the word guru. It's a little ethnic. No, I, I feel like it's they're... also just like not bi- biblical to them. Right. Wouldn't that be like, no, not guru. Right. Like, I don't know. That's just me. I could be entirely wrong, but. Financial apostle. There you go. <laughs> he says he loves Jim, Bob, Michelle and their family and that they see or that they serve as a tremendous example to everyone, and he thanks God for them. Ooh. So this is right after Jim Bob... Coming on a little strong there, Jim. (laughs) For real. Because this is directly after Jim Bob talks about how wonderful Jim Sammons is, and so really, we're just kind of in the midst of this IBLP circle jerk. Oh, they were slobbering all over each other. (laughs) Can one of you just seal the deal? Because this is getting real awkward. It was. Yeah. I was like, okay, to next scene, please. Mm So there's a funny scene toward the end of where it's raining. It seems to be raining a lot on this trip <laughs> from yeah. what the way it appears. And Boob is in a suit and he's trying to get the family to the conference center in the rain. Mm-hmm. And at one point he's holding two umbrellas and he's like getting into a car. Like, so somebody's like take kind of like shuttling them, I guess. So he's holding two umbrellas and he goes, quote, I'm going to leave one of these for these for someone else. And he throws <laughs> an umbrella onto the ground. And you can mich- hear Michelle. She's off camera, so you can't see her in the frame. Right. But, I mean, her voice is distinct. And you just hear her off camera freaking out going, oh, 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 that's Scott! <laughs> Which is probably the most genuine real moment I've heard out of Michelle <laughs> up to this point. I wish we could have seen her face for it because we only get to hear it's her true. voice. But it's just a moment of like, like, what the fuck are you doing? That's mm-hmm. not your umbrella to throw to the ground. That yeah. like that was her like moment of like, the f- what the fuck are you doing? We don't and, own this. And even then, that's just an odd like, like take care of it. He just Close, he of the throws it. Yeah. Not naming any names, but there was a moment in the past, probably about six years. Of a president doing that, getting on the plane. <laughs> Just throwing an umbrella. And it was getting to the, because it was raining, so said president was holding the umbrella, got to the very top, didn't know what to do with it because it was still raining and literally just left it on the deck and went into the plane. I should do a reel. That's the two scenes side by side. <laughs> I will. Should. But to me, I'm like, even if it was their umbrella, like if he's in a suit and they're about to go to this thing. Why would you want to get it muddy? Why would you want to get it yeah. like I'm like what are you thinking? And it's just like that pure moment of her being like the fuck are you doing? <laughs> she she wasn't talking sweetly. She had wife voice for oh, the first oh, time. Oh. <laughs> so the reason Lego was throwing umbrellas around in, in his <laughs> suit is because he and Cannon were asked to speak at, on keeping up with the hearts of your children, which yep. we we know they excel at, right? It's great. <laughs> So Jim Bob again says that he hates public speaking and he, in his talking head, he's like, I don't even like doing these interviews right now. <laughs> um, and he, he says he's given the same speech in front of about 20 or so people at a father daughter camp out. But now it's in about, it's in front of about 2000 people. So at first I was thinking that Michelle was like woefully unprepared for this speech. It felt like it. Because as they're literally heading backstage, 
she asks to see Jim Bob's notes <laughs> yeah. and asks for a pen. And he, when he says that he has 10 pages of notes, she says, oh, wonderful. But like in like a, oh, yeah, like she's a, oh, freaking shit, out. Like way. Mm-hmm. She goes, oh, wonderful. And then she goes, I'll do a fast read here. And she looks kind of frantic for Michelle frantic. And he's not like, he's not keeping sweet either. He's just kind of like, I got 10 pages. He's kind of like, like kind of shoving mm-hmm. it at her. So at first I was like, oh, damn, this is not good. Like she's not <laughs> prepared, right? But then I remembered that her main function is to gaze at him adoringly. <laughs> so, you know, while he speaks, she needs to smile and nod her head from time to time. So I'm I'm not sure why she needs to note so much. That's true. She needs to know when to nod. That's all I could think of is mm-hmm. maybe she wants to properly space them for good emphasis. Because you can't have them too close together. You want to make sure it's at the good points. So maybe she just needs to write in when she should nod, when she should smile, and when what she word? should say, mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Like when I say correct. Like she, like it's like a choreography. She's like, all right, I heard him say family. Two, three, four. And then nod. Nods. Yes. Yeah, and then out. every once in a while, throw in like a so blessed or like, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Encouragement and diligence. So just throw in some keywords, you know? Yep. Um, so then I just wanted to put in a couple of other random notes. I have a couple notes about this entire scene. Do you, you want to go first? <laughs> no, go ahead. Minor. Um, minor. You can go for it. You, yeah, go first. So that whenever it comes to past... There's lines that come up in this that we always go, oof, probably not good. Um, and one of the things that Lego Hare says in one of his first lines that they played, you know, the the goal of kind of their participating in this group is to raise um, something like raising generous, loving children. Probably phrasing. Let's yeah. think about phrasing. <laughs> yeah. Pest is definitely an example of that. Um, the last thing I, or the middle thing I had was uh, there was not remotely any sort of melanin in this room. <laughs> no, none whatsoever. <laughs> not, a, not a, not a stitch of it. Nothing. Not a tan in the room. Nope. Um, there was no security guard. Not even more were... of a beige that they all, all the Duggars, all the Duggar girls, they love beige, by the way. They're so basic. But like, there is not even like a... Like an influencer beige in the in the whole room. No, not at all. It's a whole bunch of white folk. Yeah. Um, and then my last thing was they did show the Wish version of the Crunchy Hair Gang. So I there was a I scene. I don't know if I remember this. When they keep showing parts of the crowd as uh, Hair and Cannon are talking, they pan to a point and there's like four girls that are all like brunette and they all have like the crunchy hair that the crunchy hair gang has, but they all look like you ordered the Duggar girls off of wish. <laughs> so there's a Jana, a Jana. Well, no, a it's Jana. Um, what would ginger be? Jana. Um, Dang, that's a hard one. We should, if you guys think about that, maybe we'll pull, pull out there for the names of the <laughs> wish versions of the crunchy hair gang. Uh, yeah, funny. Jenna was the only one I came up with. Yeah, Jenna. Like, Jill's a hard one to even come up with. Like, a, yeah, Jill, Ginger, <laughs> Jessa. Yeah, this is a fail. All nothing. Right. I got We're nothing reaching to, out to you, Duggar fans. I got nothing fans. besides Jenna. <laughs> well, so they do. So they 
have clips of their speech like Tim is kind of talking about, but they don't go into a whole lot of it, really. Yeah. Um, but it does, of course, end with the Duggars all singing. <laughs> Glad we had the singing to save it because um, it didn't feel like an event without the it was, singing. You know, yeah. you know, it's like, what, what's an event without these people That's true. singing or fucking pulling this out a violin? ATI royalty. A, a badly tuned fiddle. I do have a couple other random notes I'd like to go over, okay. though. So, Cannon seems to have abandoned her event pajama look. <laughs> but she is still wearing a statement necklace for pizzazz because they say, remember, Gothard says that's a lot. It draws attention to your countenance. So, necklaces are a good thing. Right. Just not too low. Yes. Yeah, so you can't have mm-hmm. long ones. He likes more, you know. Tighter around the neck like yeah. a noose <laughs> there you go very <laughs> alarmingly similar yes very apropos yeah so she's so she's not wearing her event pajamas but she is wearing the same top that she wore to the elementary school if you noticed <laughs> where that blue... horrid dancing happened yeah. <laughs> she's wearing that same blue very like cotton very casual shirt yeah. so it's actually really funny to me because with boob in his in a suit in a suit like they look like they're going to two entirely different events like they don't look like they're going the same place at all like i'm like did not coordinate i don't know um just another random thing so david when they're walking to the back when she's asking for the notes you see that guy that's holding the curtain up Mm -hmm. that's david waller so he's Uh. the one that's obsessed with the big deck at christmas (laughs) <laughs> building decks and he's obsessed with decks so big deck energy <laughs> big deck energy so he it's just kind of funny i only pointed out because now re-watching it when i haven't watched it in so long i you know now you see all these people and you go oh there they were oh that's when they popped up for Correct. the first time that's the first time i even see their face mm-hmm. and i actually didn't mention it um in the actual episode but now that i'm kind of on that topic at Grandpa Duggar's funeral, do you remember at the end where they just like show tiny little clips of people that got up and spoke? Yeah. One of the people that spoke was that Teresa lady, the cervical softening mm. lady. So it is funny to go like, oh, yeah, these people did pop up over the years yeah. when I think of her like way down the road. Mm-hmm. But you're like, oh, here they are. So it was just funny to see. I fucking hate David Waller. I hate him. <laughs> so like when mm-hmm. I saw him, I was like, oh, it's the first time we see David. But yeah. So yeah, that was why I'm glad that they ended with singing because without the event pajamas, it didn't feel right. <laughs> How was I supposed to know that this was a big deal? <laughs> These are my business pajamas. Yeah. They have pockets in them so I can hold things. So I don't have to hold things while I'm asleep. There you go. It's an old Dimitri Martin bit where he was like, <laughs> I don't understand why pajamas have pockets. See, now it's because I walk around the house and I have my cell phone in the pocket. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so I'm all for it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to... You got anything else? Nope. Went longer than I thought it would. It was a pretty decent episode. There was kind of a lot to chew on, especially when we've been talking about kind of ATI and all this, you know? Yeah. There was just a lot of of different segments and different areas, so... Yeah. Yeah. True. Pretty good episode. Lots of notes. Um, I will say that whenever you mention ATI, here in Arizona, there's a thing called the Automotive Technical Institute where you can go and learn to be a mechanic. So every time you say ATI, I always think of that. Well, you know what's funny? That's funny that you mention it. So it was really close to my childhood house. It was like mm-hmm. in the area over there on Grand near where we went shopping for a lot of stuff. Yeah. So a lot of those guys mm-hmm. like that went to the school were around. My mom always called them those rude TI guys. 
because she always <laughs> thought that we'd always see them like in their uniforms and they'd be kind of like rude, like kind of like just get in front of you. Like I don't know. So she, I don't remember. I was a child. I couldn't really tell you if they were being that rude or not. But my mom, her big like, th- this is the same lady. Remember her, who her idea of a big insult is to say, "Stick it up your butt." Stick it up your butt. So my mom used to say those rude ti guys, and so like when the commercials would come on for ati, she'd be like, "You mean rude ti?" And you would go burn like Kelso <laughs> from that seventy show. Yeah. Oh, so man, it's funny you bring that up because yep. she thought that was something as far as an insult. I was like, <laughs> was, "Ooh, mom!" They... She's spitting fire over here. All <laughs> right. Well, let's not besmirch any more future mechanics, and uh, we're gonna take a little break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back, but I want to make one note before we begin. Okay. So Whitney always brings like a a pretty hefty load of uh, legal pad that's per deep dive. Usually it's multiple, multiple pages. Um, And when she has references to things, she'll put a lot of like post-it notes. And she'll have like complimentary um, notes kind of on the side on like smaller legal pads and note, you know. So I planned out this before we started recording. So if this is your deep dive, you brought extra equipment to the deep dive. So those notes are your buoyancy control device, your mask, your snorkel, your wetsuit, your defog, your fins and booties, your surfer mark booty, dive light. A lot of booties. Tank bangers. Ooh, Ooh that bangers, good. Dude, dang. Hey, hey, you can bring that tank banger. And all the booty. <laughs> and then the last one is compass. Not as exciting about no. the tank banger. I'm just no. letting you know. So I just wanted to say you have a lot of uh, extra accessories on your deep dive. Today. Well, usually it's because like I map out what I'm going to say, but then sometimes later on I've like added, like I'm like, oh, now I want to add this Correct. in between these things. I'm like, fuck. So then I have to have a piece of paper. And so yep. then I literally in all caps between like paragraphs will write, read from paper in all caps. <laughs> and then I have to find the paper and read from paper. Right. So I've got a lot of extra post-its and read from papers this episode. <laughs> Makes me feel like I didn't do it right. This I don't know. Anyways. So this deep dive is ATI part two. Ooh, man. So on the last ATI deep dive, we covered the Duggar feelings on schooling and their adoption of ATI. Mm-hmm. The history of ATI and the application process. Well, they're not big fans of adoption, so maybe it was an adoption of ATI. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So now we're going to get deeper into the actual program itself, starting with what sets it apart from other education. So basically, what what is Bill Gothard using as its selling points? One of his first points is viewing the family as an educational team. Okay. Which we know this was a huge selling point for Lego and Canon, as this to them translated to a tight-knit, close family. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to do all the work which we will get into extensively. (laughs) Um, He talks of how in the traditional education setting, kids are grouped together by age and that that tends to result in kids being followers. Correct. Which is funny to me because they really have no issue with kids being followers as long (laughs) as it's certain people. 
<laughs> which was perfectly illustrated in Boob and Michelle's wording of positive peer pressure, if you remember. Yep. In the last deep dive. So it's like peer pressure and being a follower isn't really the actual problem. It's as long as it's coming from approved Correct. sources. <laughs> yeah. It's not the coercion yeah. or the manipulation. It's just the source of said coercion and manipulation. Exactly. Yeah. So he says that separating by ages also leads to peer dependence, which is what he really loves to say this dependence thing, which oftentimes he says results in negative attitudes and low self-esteem. So it's like you put a bunch of seven-year-olds together and suddenly, you know, nobody even wants to smile. That's true. I mean, when when your guiding principles have things to do about hair and are super specific about the way you need to look, you don't think that makes people feel bad about it? Yeah. You know how it is. Everybody's body's different. Like how many people in this, in this group? Because doesn't wasn't there a whole part about like keeping a like a skinny figure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like how many children that were going through this are going through like baby fat or they're a little bit bigger, and it's like how awful did that make them feel? You know what I mean? So the program that you subscribe to promotes negative attitudes and bad self esteem. And you're railing against that when you put kids, kids that are together, the same the age same together. Age. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. stupid. Yeah. So he says that the team approach offers opportunities for older children to encourage, motivate, and instruct the younger siblings, aka do all the work. <laughs> there it is. Which is funny because as I was reading this part, like my my brain stops in that moment and goes, "Do all the work." Like it did exactly <laughs> this, and then it was funny because then when. I kept reading. He just comes out and says it. You said the loud, you said the quiet part loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just says it. Yeah. He says, quote, this allows the mother the freedom she needs to take care of other family and personable, personal responsibilities while she provides her older children with excellent training for parenthood. Wow. The passing off of the work to your children. I mean, let's be real. The females, <laughs> the, the yeah. older females. Correct. Under the guise of training them for parenthood is disgusting. Another just blatant, you know, form of parentification. Yeah. And it fucking enrages me. But he's like, to him, this is just such a positive thing. Correct. Well, the mother can do whatever she wants because, you know, they, they got it. And this, you know, for training them for parenthood. Yeah. The only thing that they're, one of the two, they're, they're only, there's only two things in life. Be a, be a mother and fucking be a help meet to your husband. They're like, but we're training them real good on one of the two. Exactly. So next up, remember how in the last deep dive he called the whole the ATI a new approach to life <laughs> because this cri- curriculum is Christ-centered. In other curriculums, the Bible is just another subject to be covered, but in ATI, it's the main focus and all academics are directly related to God's word. He poses the question, quote, are you training your family around God's word or are you adding God's word to their education? He was later quoted saying, quote, if you educate a person with his mind, but not morals, you educate a wise criminal. It's not the academics, but it's the character. Which I think is funny because it's like supposedly Geppetto got this like, you know, Great character-driven, godly education. Mm-hmm. That means <laughs> and we, that nothing he does will ever be bad because he has strong character. We see how that turned out. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but he's also certainly not a wise criminal either. So it's like he, he really doesn't <laughs> fall into either camp here. Do you think that they think that he was like sneaking away to public school yes. to corrupt it? Mm-hmm. Like that was why he did this? Because he, he must have been sneaking in some like YouTube videos of like public school. I think he caught a glimpse of a school bus. Mm. And that, you know, going down the road and that yeah. was it. Obviously they caught him with... Uh, you know, very specific child-oriented things on his computer, but the gateway was watching Detroit Public School in like YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so he also teaches how people, particularly teens, react to rules. Like they have more of like a negative reaction to rules, but that ATI is based on non-optional principles of the Bible. So you know better. Different, better. Ooh, somebody pulled out his thesaurus. We can't use rules. I need ideas, people. <laughs> right? I mean, I just think it's funny that it's this kind of selling point. You know, mm-hmm. these are, they're not rules, they're principles. They're when principles. arguing definitions aside, we all know it's absolutely, this whole thing operates as rules. Yeah. So give your fucking stupid definitions. <laughs> it's rules. <laughs> You know what a lot of this feels like? There's um, like a, not Penn and Teller, but I think it's Teller. Um, that was, Who fucking knows? One's, yeah. one's this, one's one that, doesn't one talk, doesn't talk. The other one Who fucking has knows? a ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, he was getting interviewed about, um, he says that he's atheist. Yeah, he's got a lot of good quotes though, actually. Yeah. I enjoy a lot of his quotes. And one of them was a debate that he had where it was like, if you don't, if you don't believe in hell, how do you keep... It's kind of like the idea of, like, if you don't believe in hell, how do you keep yourself from murdering people? Yeah, I, that's the exact quote that always sticks out to me. He's like, I murder as much as people... What the, keeps you from murdering? Yeah. And, and he's... He, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. He says, I murder as much as I want to, and that's nothing. Which is none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. there's always that... So I'm not trying to derail your argument, but there is always... in in the end of that conversation there's always the argument of are you doing something wrong because it's or are you not doing something wrong because you feel like you shouldn't do it or because you're afraid of the punishment for it yeah you know Mm -hmm. so anywho that's what this argument a lot of this argument feels like okay so another thing that he uses as a huge selling point for ati um and how it like is setting it apart from other curriculums is its heavy use in teaching with analogies so we clearly have seen how he relies very heavily oh, yeah. on analogies for his own sermons and teachings. But now it's base it's the basis for his homeschooling curriculum as well. Which Correct. is you know, this is really trending in a great direction. <laughs> in fact, he says what makes his program advanced, thus the name advanced training, Ooh. is the integration of all subjects together paired with the use of analogies. Okay. He says that teaching subjects separately prevents kids from having a broader scope of reasoning and thinking. Ooh, ooh, God, everything about that statement makes me cringe. It's so bad. Because the last thing we need is an educated group of people. Yep. And ones that are going to be trying to, like, make their own reasoning for stuff. We don't want that. We need followers. So he says that dividing up knowledge into like maths, history, science, etc. He says that that is a mental barrier to practical applications. Wow. You got to combine them all together and use analogies as much as possible. Man. 
Sounds like a great curriculum. Ooh. You so, you've the theme through all this has been saying the quiet part loud for a couple episodes now, but man, it's so blatant. I know. And I don't understand how people that are, you know, bought into this and kind of like do this system or, you know, whatever it is, look at that and go, Oh, that's a yeah, really good idea. Yeah, yeah. That's why people feel that's one reason why people feel they're a cult. But they're so deep in the sauce already. Because think about yep. it. To get to this point, they've gone through two seminars. Yep. They've gone through weeks of this bullshit. They're yeah. they're in it already. It's too fucking late. Like. Mm-hmm. So instead, he combines subjects relating to a biblical passage or principle and uses analogies to teach them. Okay. Because he says that people remember analogies better. And analogies make you think. They teach you to think, he says. They're, they're teaching you to think. Okay. But I thought he didn't want thinking and reasoning. And of course, um, he says that, you know, the Bible's full of analogies. So like, duh. <laughs> but I think that's so funny because I'm like, yeah, it's full of analogies, except for when they want you to take it literally, <laughs> which is always my catch up. I've talked to I know I've like uh-huh. talked about it multiple times. I can't stand that in this instance, you're supposed to take it literally. But in this time, it's an analogy. Which well, the fuck is it? Are we yeah. taking it at face value or not? When it makes us look bad, it's an analogy and you're supposed to look into the the deeper theme. But when it works with our our narrative, that's when you need to take it literally. When we want to control a certain way, it flips back and forth. Yep. That's what it all boils down to. So he says, quote, the way to teach children wisdom is to speak in analogies, which is a wild take. I mean, analogies have their place. I'm not saying that, I mean, I've used, like, I'm not saying I've never used an analogy. They have their place. And they ha- in teaching and making it understand as long mm-hmm. as it makes fucking sense, but to not twist, ev- to not make it the basis of all teachings mm-hmm. and to not twist everything into something that makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Trying to make something an analogy when it just doesn't naturally it doesn't work. Like it doesn't work. Stop. Stop trying to make it happen. It's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. It's, it's never- not fetch. <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> it is. Analogies are not fetch. <laughs> So in a similar vibe to as how, remember when Gothard threw in that study with the University of California with smiles? Mm-hmm. In regards to analogies, he references how Thomas Edison had limited formal education, but that he thought in analogies. And so it's like a look at how great he was. Oh, my God. So he just likes to randomly throw in these these examples that he thinks will give him credit. But like every so other time, it's like... It's humanism or, you know, what are they or who are they or they're not fucking up. They're not in the Bible. Like every other time it's like they're not in the Bible. Don't look to them. But then now it's like, well, look, he used analogies. He's great. (laughs) Math problems did it a lot earlier than you did, buddy. Random side note, Mildred decided to join us. She's in my lap right now. If you heard Jingle, I'm sorry. Yeah. She has decided she's done waiting around for us. She needs some lap time. I always make the joke of, like, I don't know what her title is. We've called her a podcaster, which I think is good. But, like, does she have, like, a title in this? And my joke that I've been making is that she's the producer. Producer. She's a professional podcaster working as a producer. Yeah, she's a producer on our show. Yep. Okay. So, anyways, talking back to... Um, so, after talking of how you create wisdom through thinking and analogies... Mm-hmm. He says, quote, the goal of ATI is mature youth who are equipped to change the world rather than adapt to it. Cool. (laughs) 
Okay, so as far as who wrote the curriculum, of course, we have Bill himself with his oh-so-helpful bachelor's degree in Christian education. <laughs> I, I was mistaken. I was thinking his degrees were just in theology, but okay. um, I'm sure he feels like extra, extra, like qualified because he has the word education in there. You oh, know, it's yeah. not just theology. It's Christian mm-hmm. education. Yeah. So, you know, we're good, guys. I'm sure it's all going to turn out great, right? Because he's got education in his yep. degree. So things are going to turn out fine. Things are all turning up Millhouse. He's an educator. So he didn't create the curriculum entirely alone, though. He did have help from a woman who, oddly enough, she must be related to Michelle. Perhaps a <laughs> perhaps a distant cousin or something because okay. her name is Inga Cannon. Inga, that's very funny. Yeah. That's a very nice. I wonder if she's of the Arkansas cannons or like the Ohio (laughs) cannons. But it must be some sort of distant, you know, cousin or something. Whole family full of cannons. They're always shooting off those ones. (laughs) So Inga taught elementary, high school, and college along with serving as a principal at a K through 12 Christian day school. Okay. And then later as a dean at a college, but I didn't see which one or whatever. But in her bio, on her personal website, it states that she spent seven years working on the ATI curriculum. Damn. Which, that's the first time I'd bring that up just because I've never seen any kind of indication in any of his other, of of his own, like, writings of any kind Mm -hmm. of indication of the timing. So, I'm not really sure if this references, if it released in 84, if that means that they started it seven years prior or not. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, so it's kind of unclear but I will say that I get the vibe from some of the ATI newsletters that they were still sort of working on it as they were releasing them. Oh, yeah, I believe that. So I don't know where that seven years of her working on it kind of falls in the mm-hmm. years, but I just kind of want to point that out. But I'm like, seven years? You'll see coming up. I'm like, you spent seven years on this bullshit? Like, <laughs> my God, that is a long time for a pile of shit. That's funny. So she did also work in the homeschool realm and other things, but I won't get into that right now. I just um just want to give you a an idea that there was somebody else working on it. And either way, mm-hmm. she should be fucking ashamed. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> so now let's get into the actual curriculum. So the curriculum is taught via wisdom booklets, which we have talked about and referenced many times over the course of this podcast. Mm-hmm. The booklets are based on the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Which is really funny to me to be like, we're going to base a whole curriculum on three <laughs> fucking chapters of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. But for them, it's because it's Jesus's most famous sermon. But that's still like, we're going to just, that's, that's going to be the basis for everything you learn for your entire education. It's like a cover band. You're a cover band, but you're, you're like, all right, this band has six hits and that's what we're going to learn and that's what we play. <laughs> This is Jesus's best hit. This is Jesus. Yeah, this was one of his hits on that. This like, is Jesus's now CD. Yeah, that like late time life CD infomercial when all the tracks are scrolling by. That's like the top three. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yep. Time life presents. Remember this? The it's the Sermon on the Mount. Buzz ballads. I was more of a buzz ballad fan. So. Before we get into the actual content of the curriculum, let's first go into how the whole thing works. So there are 54 wisdom booklets, which is about 3,000 pages worth of content, which actually really ends up not being that much when you think about it. We'll get to that in a little bit. 
But the general pace that most people go at is to cover one booklet per month. Okay. So most families went through between seven and nine booklets a year, depending on how they decided to work breaks in summer and blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. So the idea was that once you got through all 54 booklets, which took, let's just say, on average seven years, because of your base, it could be, let's just say, seven, like, kind of right in the middle. Mm-hmm. After you went through all of them in that seven years, you went back and you started over again at the beginning. Sisyphus, huh? Do you know who Sisyphus was? No. Sisyphus was the the Greek person that was um, put into Hades and his punishment was that he had to keep rolling a boulder up to the top of the hill and every time he'd get close it would roll all the way back down to the bottom oh, i re- see i don't know by name but yeah i remember that. i loved greek mythology the duggars would hate it but yeah this feels very Sisy- <laughs> no, they, like well, sisyphus <laughs> like sisyphus like yeah great you got to the end congratulations start, start again so, so it's really not designed as a full 12-year curriculum as what most of us are used to right you know <laughs> You're right so when you think of it, though, that means that in grades either 7th or 8th, depending on your pace, 7th or 8th grade through 12th grade, you end up just repeating the same fucking shit you learned from kindergarten through 5th grade. That's like getting to 8th grade and being like, great, we're going to spend a lot of time coloring. And <laughs> no, I'm the we're... smartest one here at the table, at the like kitchen Billy table. Billy Madison. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Miss Lippy. <laughs> God, I love Billy Madison. I reference it so much. I'm always like, stop looking at me, swan. And I love Billy Madison. Such a good movie. But yeah, it's really wild to think that literally instead, the material never levels up. Yeah. Well, they ran out of material. They're like, well, what are we going to do? I guess our stuff's over. Why don't we just make him do it over again? Ding! So we got Jill that's like 17 and she's making macaroni necklaces again. Like, you know, (laughs) macaroni um, glued to construction paper. So it never levels up and everyone is covering the same material. So this team aspect isn't just referring to sitting around each other at the kitchen table, like Little Red Schoolhouse style. (laughs) It's literally covering the same things. Like it's taken to the ultimate degree Mm -hmm. of team here. Yep. So now it's worth noting that some people may try to argue that you can teach the same general topics at different age-appropriate levels, which is true. Mm -hmm. But the problem in that argument is that that is not how this material is written. Correct. There are no levels at all. So for this argument to work, you're completely dependent on the sisters, the sister moms, to Go outside the curriculum to meet different levels, but that's just not how it's written. Right. So a family just following it as is will have some kids that it's far too advanced for, and it goes right over their head, mm-hmm. and then other kids that it's no longer challenging them and, like, stunting them, and basically. Right. So in a February 1985 ATI newsletter, there is a section titled, quote, Ideas to Help Your Children, Your Younger Children Learn Concepts. <laughs> So it's the first time they even address this, and this is seven months into the release of the curriculum. So to me, it just sort of feels like an oh shit, like, <laughs> like oh, yeah. reaction, mm-hmm. like a band-aid reaction to either re- realizing it themselves or like hearing people. And I don't think anybody would um, straight up complain. I don't think how that's how it works here. 
But I think it's like somebody be like, oh, we're just, do you have any tips? Like they wouldn't be like, what the fuck is this? They'll just be like, do you have any tips? And, yeah. But My kid's seven- struggling. Put it on the kid. Yeah. My kid's struggling yeah. uh, to understand some concepts. Yeah. But it's like some tips into one newsletter seven months into the program. Right. Isn't going to help if your curriculum isn't made that way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, my 10th grader over here is making popcorn smiles, but uh, we're real confused. The younger ones are just a little bit confused. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's really funny that that's like their idea. They're like, well, now we, we threw this in here. And it's mm-hmm. like, they're just like really vague. Like, you can have them do this. You can have yeah. them do that. But it's not like that's telling them how to cover every single concept in yeah. age-appropriate ways. Yeah. It's general fucking tips. Because this stuff isn't age-appropriate at the end of the day. Nope. So each wisdom booklet comes with a parent guide, pl- parent guide planner, and silly little me assumed it was a guide on how to actually teach the topics in more detail oh, man. than what you see in the booklets themselves, but it's really not the case. Okay. I'm just like a silly little goose. I don't know what I was thinking. This is like the teacher's edition of the book? Is that what this is? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh- I mean, but... <laughs> There really isn't much expansion or teaching instructions at all. It's more of a checklist at best. It's mostly made up of things like describe how and when you will do the yada yada worksheet or determine how to how and when you will study the wisdom worksheet. Oh my god. Followed by a few blank lines <laughs> and boxes that say person responsible to share and then it has little boxes. One says father, one says mother, and then there's an other box. And if you were to check off the other, you're supposed to um, fill in the name of that Who person. it is. So, so the, <laughs> is the code man going to go in that one? Well, I just have a feeling the other box is what's primarily checked at the Duggar home. They should really just change the box to like one box be Jana, one be Jill, and one be Jessa. Which one of your children is going to be doing this? It's like, forget the mother, father. Like, you're just like wasting time here. Yeah, that's true. You're wasting ink. Yes. Like, like stupid. What would Jim Salmon say about that waste of ink? That's a financial pit right mm. there. Really, ink really is, man. Don't get me started on printer ink. <laughs> Fucking scam. Goddamn scam. <laughs> but yeah, overall, this parent guide seems really unhelpful. And sometimes it gives activities you could do, but for the most part, it just seems like a checklist. And an ex-ATI parent said that they really felt overwhelmed by everything okay and that they felt like they were the only one struggling to teach it of course because in this area you don't say oh my god we're nobody we're this isn't working so of course everybody feels like they're the only one that's having a problem so yep. they don't fucking say anything or if they do at best maybe they say could you give some tips and it gets included in a newsletter but it's not like don't want to look like the like the program is trash or look like i'm not good at this so we might as well yeah it's really sad. So the next part that I see in the materials of the early years of ATI, I can't speak to whether or not this continued up until like 2021 or not, but still thought it was worth bringing up because it was definitely in those early years. Mm-hmm. The parents were supposed to fill out weekly achievement reports that were mailed to ATI headquarters on the first and third Mondays of each month. Jeez. Oh, Notice how it's first and third and not second and fourth? it's way too close to rock music very good (laughs) they were like oh no 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 not the second and fourth we're gonna have to wait another week people too dangerous 
In these reports, there were various codes that correlated with different topics. In addition to the actual curriculum you covered, you were supposed to say whether you also like went on field trips or did ministry or hospitality things in the home. So say if you're going to the zoo, you would report as the zoology code. If you're visiting a nursing home, you would select the code that applied to whatever skills you used while you were there. Oh. And, you know, such as playing an instrument or something like that or whatever. So apparently they entered these codes in at headquarters into their computer system to track the children's learning. Oh, is that what we're calling it? Yeah. (laughs) So time was also kept tracked, which included active instruction, research, education trips, project time, and physical education. But they're specific to tell you not to include chores, personal personal devotions, leisure reading, or playtime. We don't want them to be well-rounded human beings. We just need to know, are they buying into our shit or not? Well, we know that they're um, doing chores. Like that's he's like that's a given. We don't need you to write that down. <laughs> he's like you don't need to report that. But how are they doing on popcorn smile? Yeah. Like let's get down to the nitty gritty here. So oh, it's actually kind of funny because like again with the XATI parents, like some of the ones that were talking about feeling overwhelmed, they're like I felt like I spent so much time filling out these fucking reports. They're like <laughs> it felt like it took more of their time than. Like, they couldn't even get into the curriculum because they were constantly filling out these. But I was like, I wonder how long that lasted. It's giving them the, like, the feeling of working in corporate America when they're not allowed to have jobs. (laughs) This poor overwhelmed mother with her her reporting. Well, she has 17 kids, but we really need to give her a taste of the bureaucracy of a lot of corporate America. Deadlines. She (laughs) she needs to understand deadlines. (laughs) So now let's get into the actual teachings of these wisdom booklets. Oh, my. So earlier when Bill was a little bit like sassafras and he was like, are you training your family around God's word or are you adding God's word to their education? Well, he makes sure he centers it around God's word by first opening each wisdom booklet with a verse or two from one of those chapters in Matthew. Okay. Then it would explore that passage through five different categories. Linguistics, history, science, law, and medicine. So if you can't imagine already, um, this way of learning is weird as fuck. It's so fucking weird. I just had a random thought. The reason why it only went certain volumes is because it's based on this very limited amount of text. You can only juice an orange That's so true. much. Oh, yeah, you're right. And so they didn't you, want, it was like, no, it's based on Sermon on the Mount. We can't go into the whole Bible. Cause, yeah. we, we can't just start riffing. We're not in a jazz group. We can't get into Genesis. This is too much. Yeah, we are not in a jazz group. We are not in a, at the blue note. We can't start riffing. Yeah, that's true. Because it's trying so hard to make everything somehow relate to the Bible, it makes for these really bizarre and forced correlations that make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it's really fucking weird. So just a reminder that all of Bill Gothard's fashion tips with the seasonal color palettes, the eye traps, and the correct haircut for proper ovalization, mm-hmm. if you remember, um, all of that fell under the medicine category, just to give you an idea. <laughs> so now I'm just going to rattle off a few uh, <laughs> a few things, okay? Okay. That are just in these wisdom booklets. How can graphs help to visualize the consequences of lust? 
how did the Socratic method of reasoning come from a sodomite manner of living? Oh, that is a... Quite the reach. That is a stretch, yeah. yeah. How are eyelids used for seductive purposes? Again, who doesn't learn about this under the science category? Eyelids are so hot. Very scientific. You know, there's guys that are into legs and guys that are into hips. I'm an eyelids man. Ooh, girl. <laughs> um, and last one I'll reference is, how do prime numbers illustrate the principle of one flesh in marriage? Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say, how are prime numbers going to show you the consequences of lust? <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about graphs and how graph, What was it? How graphs um, can... Okay, let me flip back. Um... How can graphs help to visualize the consequences of lust? I've seen some pretty sexy graphs, let me tell you. <laughs> There's a How I Met Your Mother episode where Ted starts, or uh, uh, Marshall starts working for a really big law firm, and he realizes that their printing department, which Mildred, member of the printing oh, yeah, department. She is the printing department for my vintage. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the printing department will print him whatever charts or graphs that he wants, and he pulls one up and he goes, Here's a bar graph with my favorite pies. And then the next day he goes, here's a pie chart with my favorite bars. bars. <laughs> That's a good show, too. We should do a rewatch. And then they have an intervention with him because he's creating too many visual aids. <laughs> if he doesn't have one on lust, it's a bust. <laughs> it's a set. Merp, 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 merp. So, um, so those were just some examples I thought would give you what we're working with here. It's not not great. Sexy graphs, and don't even get me started on eyelids. <laughs> so it's really wild how one booklet just like they just jump around from random topic to random topic that they somehow forcibly fit into this scriptural theme that doesn't really fit anything, no. and then they just call it science, medicine, and law. Like it's crazy. <laughs> So maybe someday I will take us completely through a booklet, but today is not that day because I have other stuff that I want to cover. Oh my goodness. So the wisdom booklets also have Gothard's 49 character qualities sprinkled in throughout. We heard that in today's episode, how that was a big thing for Michelle, you know, the good character. Ooh, they leaned that one real hard. Yeah. So it's sprinkled throughout the booklets, but if you want to, the actual character booklets and like character sketches and things that they call them, you do have to separate, you know, uh, purchase those separately. You can get those for the low, low price of four payments of seventy nine ninety nine. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. In in yellow, um, in yellow, and it's got a slash through it because now it's cheaper. <laughs> if you order in the next sixty minutes, <laughs> you'll get an extra character for free. You know. <laughs> So when I read off those five teaching categories, just curious, did you happen to notice anything missing? From? The categories. Science, law. Medicine. Medicine. Linguistics. Uh, English? Maybe. Uh, yes, English. Like literature? Yes. But to me, a big one, uh, math. We don't need that. Math is not a category. <laughs> well, I mean, when charts are showing you about lust we don't need to have anything to do with math so while math does make an appearance here and there in the form of word problems it's not a full category on its own okay so i really scour i mean i i glance i've been through probably every wisdom booklet at some point or another 
But for the sake of this deep dive, I really paid close attention to one and two just because I'm like, okay, that's like the beginning of the program, right? Right. Actually, probably like one through four, I really looked at more intensely. And in one and two, they do mention the importance of math, but it's addressed in some of the following ways. Oh, God. (laughs) Quote, learning math is important to discover the nature of God because like math, God is precise, accurate, and absolute. Oh, my goodness. Or how math helps assist in developing godly character qualities. For example, math requires you to be alert to every detail of a problem to arrive at the accurate solution. So that's teaching the character quality of alertness. Oh. But th- th- this is what they're teaching about math. Oh, yeah. it's They're not teaching math. They're saying this is why it's good. Right. Yeah. So I did notice that in the January 1985 ATI newsletter, Bill Gothard addresses math, or I guess sort of the lack thereof, so to speak. So the very first ATI released in July of 1984. The very first ATI newsletter went out in August of 1984. So then this is six months. This is their sixth newsletter that he's talking about math. Okay. He never actually addresses the lack of mathematical education in his curriculum. Of course not. Of course why not. Would he, yeah. Why would he? But rather, he just says, quote, I mean, this isn't quote. I don't know why I said that. Um, but rather, he just says, like, here's a general list of mathematical skills most states will require. And then he lists various skills by age. So, like, counting to this by kindergarten, counting blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you'll notice we choose age because they don't have grades, of course. Yeah. But that's it. So he still has these random things. So it'll be, you know, teaching some Bible bullshit and they'll have you divide out fish and bread. That's how, (laughs) that's basically what it is. Is like multiply this. Like it's like a word problem here and there, but there's not like a devoted math curriculum. Right. So, which leads me to the next thing. You know, there's clearly, um, gaps in the education just a tiny bit you know (laughs) mind the gap um quite a few and this actually left plenty of parents scrambling in order to supplement so the consensus i kind of gathered just through research was that most families did supplement in some kind of way at the very least math and sometimes english writing like as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm hoping most supplemented dear god (laughs) For real. I really hope so. You're going to send adult-aged children out into a world and they have this, like, hard deficiency of, like, basics? It's rough. Yeah, it's crazy. But they have the Lord on their side. So it's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. And he has education in his degree. It's fine. Exactly. Calm down. Calm your tots. It's fine. (laughs) So a few families did say that they used it more as a Bible study, which good for them, but um, they're paying a lot of money for fucking Bible for study. For Bible every, study. Like, like that's, so it's like either way, you're not getting your money's worth. You're either paying for it, you're either using it as a really expensive Bible study or you're doing this and then still having to do all the work of finding some other curriculum. Like yep. I can see why they're fucking scrambling and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And then you think you're the only, like that people were saying, you think you're the only one who's struggling. Yep. So we heard in the last episode, um, homeschooling episode, Jessa saying that she was in charge of the grades for their computer curriculum, which she said was SOS, 
which stands for Switched on Schoolhouse. And then later on down the road, I do believe that they end up starting to use ACE, which we might talk about that in the future. But those are their supplemental. They still do the wisdom booklets. Those are their extras. ACE is the helpful place. So that's good. ACE is the helpful place. We love Ace Hardware. I really do. They got the best air. You know what? I'm going to... The best air filters. Their Ace brand air filters for your air conditioning, best. And, and they were the, the best first... price. They're not flimsy. They're... Mm. I buy 3M, which people would think is a quality brand with like a reputation. No. They're double the price and they're fucking flimsy. Ace Hardware, half the price, and they're sturdy. They were the first place that I ever found Dots Pretzels here oh, in Arizona. So good. Shout out Dots Pretzels. Hashtag so not an ad. Hashtag should, should be, be an, an ad. ad. They're like Dakotan. One of the north, south. They're Dakotan. One of the Dakotas. But they have their factory here now. And yep. I could get fucked up on a dot, man. So good. <laughs> they're so good. And I'd had them first and I brought them to Tim and I'm like, taste these. They're pretzels. so I'm garlicky. Like, they're, I'm like, you will never had, have a better pretzel. And like yeah. Snyder's tried to make a version of them mm-hmm. in the store and I'm like, they're trash. Fucking it's garbage. It's not the same. Garbage. Dots. Way to go. Yep. If you haven't had a dots pretzel, have one tomorrow. Yep. The Southwest one was pretty good. Nice and zesty. The OG will always it's be the, the best. best. But even the honey mustard is good. Like Whitney bought like their brand of like chicharrones. We haven't too. opened them yet. I just bought them today. Ooh, actually, man, yeah. My oh, yeah. Uh, the vendor that I get my food from, Greg. Shout out, Greg. Um, he's from there. So when I was, from I remember going to, from the Dakota. So I remember going to him, being like, Greg, have you ever heard of Dots Pretzels? And he like swelled up with a little pride, <laughs> like he was he's all like, about. Yeah, I know Dot. What of it? Oh yeah, he was all happy. So. Dude, so good. And like, so Ace Hardware, good for like random ass shit. Good caramels, good mm-hmm. random fucking snacks, good sodas. I mean, Ace yeah, Hardware. Pricing has... on everything is, is usually Ace is better. Yep. So, um, Ace Hardware or Dots Pretzels, you looking to sponsor a, a, a little homegrown Arizona podcast, you let us know. You heard it here, folks. Dots Pretzels, <laughs> Ace Hardware's air filters. <laughs> You never knew you'd come away with so many wonderful tips. Yep. Okay, so where was I? So yeah, so I think I was talking about how I think that later on they end up using Ace. Um, I just have serious concerns even with supplementation. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can add on some math, but I don't think they're getting a well-rounded education even with that in place. New. I have some concerns. Just a yep. few. So now let's talk about some of Bill Gothard's claims regarding ATI. At a 1986 seminar, he said, quote, by the 12th year, oh God, just prepare yourself for this, Tim. Good God. (laughs) Quote, by the 12th year, a young person will have the equivalent of a pre-med, pre-law, and business degree. From, (laughs) from what clown college... So a couple things. The the delusion is fucking mind-boggling. Like I mm-hmm. know that he's fucking crazy. We know this. You're you're egotistical. You're you're fucking nuts. You're if you run a cult like this, you're f- fucking crazy. But the delusion, I still can't get over sometimes. Yeah. Like to claim that somebody Oh my god. It's I can't get past it. And it's crazy to think that a 7-year curriculum that repeats again in middle school through the end of high school that never levels up 
in any kind of way, you know? <laughs> Never has any age-appropriate moments. But you're saying that, yeah, it's the same as pre, pre-med, pre-law. It's the same. It's the same. It, they got a business degree. They... <laughs> An- another thing, though. I have to point out that this seminar that he said this at was in 1986. ATR, I, it started in 1984. It started in two, two years before that, yeah. So you're telling me that, okay, so they won't, it doesn't matter. We don't need 12 years to know that they will not be ready for pre-med. <laughs> we know that. We don't need the 12 years to prove that. Right. But not a single person has made it through the 12 years of the curriculum yet. So that is that is a stretch to... A little bit. You're selling them on the future. The, if you get this now, it means that in... In 10 more years, you're going to be ready to go to that law. Like, Fucking come on. wild. But think about it. He probably, he's a salesman. So at the end of the day, he's selling this product. So It's sick. It's so, really fucking sick. So in the 10 years that followed this, you have enough people that have bought into it that you no longer have to push that message. Because the people that have bought into it are going to be pushing the message for yeah. you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's multi-level marketing. Yeah. Like, it's the, I don't need to convince you that your kids are going to be pre-med for this because these thousands I of people are going to be. I said it once, and they're going to tell you. But it's the same way, Boom. like, we hear boobs say, they're excelling, they're doing this, they're doing blah, blah, blah. And it's like, compared to what? What the <laughs> fuck are you comparing it to? <laughs> the delusion, it continues, though. Because at the very same conference in 1986, he claims that the Federal Education Board doesn't even have tests to give the achievement. All the students are just acing the tests. <laughs> it's nuts. It's, it's insane. Oh, like, and I, I wrote in my stories, like, oh, the, you know, a few days ago when I was working on this, where I was like, I'm working on this next, and I'm like, the delusion is, like, scary, but yeah. it's fascinating. Fascinating, yeah. not, it's bad. Not in a good way. Yes, yeah. but it's like, how does someone believe this shit? It's insane. Yeah. When you have enough people around you that are agreeing with you, you'll believe anything. So I was scouring some of those early HEI newsletters because part of the thing, you know, when you pay your 675 bucks, part of it is that you get these monthly newsletters. Mm-hmm. So I'm scouring these early newsletters and I feel like I may have pinpointed exactly where Bill Gothard came up with this delusion. That okay. you're going to be ready for pre-med by the end of this seven-year education that's stretched into 12. <laughs> That doesn't grow with your age. At all. <laughs> but you're, you know, that fucking fifth grade. Because if it ends by seventh grade, you're essentially saying that by seventh grade, you're ready for pre-med because if they're just repeating it. <laughs> so it's like the really hard curriculum that first five, those first right. how many years, because that's the part that gets repeated. Like it makes no fucking sense. And if you just go through it again, are you like double ready for pre-med? You have two degrees now. You go through <laughs> You have twice, the full you, law degree. Yeah, you have the full No, you, yeah, you have um the law degree, you have two business degrees because he was like, you have a business mm, degree. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. What kind of degree do I have now <laughs> reading through all of this? <laughs> I need to be paid way more. You know what this All right, reference time. Animal House at the end of it, the frat is going to the board to try to argue that they don't get shut down or put on they were on double secret probation, so one of the heads of the frat is in there, kind of like pleading his case. And this kind of the, one of the other leaders of it pulls him after he makes like a really bold statement and goes, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "Don't worry, I'm pre-law." 
And the guy goes, I thought you were pre-med. And he goes, eh, same thing. Oh, it's totally same. That's what this reminds me of. Yep, same thing. It's in the third newsletter, so October of 1984. Okay. But there's a section called Recent Reports, which is just an area where he shares stories and experiences that ATI families have sent in. And he says, like, what they're, every story he has, like, a little thing underneath that he says what they're learning through these shared things. Okay. So in one story, oh, I love it. In one story, he says, quote, they are experiencing the excitement of sharing what they have learned through scripture. The story goes a little something like this. So apparently two young girls, they go to the chiropractor with their mother. And they end up telling the chiropractor that the hypothalamus in the brain controls the gland that manufactures adrenaline for energy. The doctor is surprised by this and says, quote, I did not learn that until I entered my pre-med program. What school do you attend? Because somebody, because a real human being talks like that. Yes, I'm sure of it. And um, yeah, doesn't it feel like he really did take this like right? And he's like, "You have a pre-med. You're 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 pre-med when you you're, when you're done with my program." Like, I feel like that's the moment. I like I feel like I was like I'm like that's it right there. It's so the way it's written is just so preposterous. It is. It's insanity. The delusion. Pray thee well, young child. <laughs> Which educational institution do you attend? <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Verily, it must be ATI. <laughs> you gotta sound like you're like about to like die. <laughs> Doesn't that kind of like sound like? <laughs> so now let's actually move into talking about some of the effects ATI education education has had on people. Okay. Other than giving them a step up in life, because in seven years you can have a pre-law degree. Pre-med, pre-law, and a business degree. <laughs> you have all of it. I'm ready. And you have extensive information on the hypothalamus. Yeah, I mean, clearly. What's funny, because so that was in the very first wisdom booklet. And that I, makes me go like, oh, yeah, I'm sure the kid remember, remembered that like a little bit more, because that's their first one. So they're like, oh, I'm a little more hopped up, you know? Oh, yeah. So, like, we started a new, new program, and they're kind of, like, filing mm-hmm. shit away a little bit more. I was like, Correct. that was literally Wisdom Booklet 1, I remember. <laughs> so, a Reddit user once posted about how they tutored some kids who had used ATI curriculum and that they were entering high school and couldn't multiply double-digit numbers. I don't. <laughs> when all they're asked to do is divide some fish and loaves of bread, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Countless ex-ATI students... Um, I'm just kind of paraphrasing now. I read a bunch mm-hmm. of different stuff that I didn't even like write down. It's just like over the course of time. So a bunch of um, XATI students talk of having major anxiety and self-esteem issues regarding their education and knowledge. Color me surprised. Because <laughs> basically, even if it hasn't actually presented itself as an issue, they just have that underlying like worry, fear that it's going to come out. And they end up feeling not qualified for jobs, even if they are, just because mm-hmm. they kind of know that they came from a background that they're like, I'm sure I'm lacking. You know, they're sure right. some things weren't covered. One woman um, said that her husband had an ATI education. And while he does now have a PhD, she the way she kind of put it was like, let's just say it's a good thing his degree didn't require a lot of math and that he, he has me to edit his papers. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, damn. Kind of like, so damn. she's like, I'm not saying he's not. But she's like, you see that there's 
deficiencies. Clearly some areas, and yeah. luckily he was able to get through. But Jeez. So you see when... So you're saying that when some of these kids go and they they're, they go to ask for their law degree and they're like, have you taken the bar? And they're like, I know about nice bars and I don't need to take it. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't work and then they get self-conscious about it. <laughs> Just smile through it, honey. You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it all comes full circle. So one XATI parent, which I think that these accounts are very interesting to hear it from the parent's perspective of like, ah, oh, shit later on, you know. Right. Um, they expressed major regret and said that they realized what a huge mistake they'd made with their children when they realized that their kids could only handle tasks that were mostly repetitive. <laughs> and that anything beyond that, that they really needed to be guided through things and couldn't like logically figure out next like steps. critical thinking yeah, skills. Yeah, like, they just couldn't think through the thing and they're just kind of like, fuck you know um so so much for that analogy wisdom right what happened to that that's like makes you learn makes you teaches you to think yeah well they don't want anybody with actual critical thinking skills remember they need to keep them gullible i'm just really can't understand this whole idea that analogy teaches you how to think being (laughs) all encompassing for everything in the world it lacks context in an area where it is like a really good comparison maybe but we've seen how these are not good comparisons like how is that helpful i read those things off to you and i'm like it's fucking word salad right Mm -hmm. like what does that even mean yeah i don't think i'm a total moron but i'm like what does that seriously what does that mean and you already have enough of that out in the industry like i worked at the nuclear power plant that's by here and i worked in the power plant and then i went back years later as the executive chef um but what they realized was that the people that there's a point to this i promise um the people that work out at that nuclear power plant that were trained on land have a very specific way of talking and thinking and doing that everybody else is on that part (laughs) well the other half of the industry comes from the nuclear navy and the way that the nuclear Navy teaches their people is kind of different. So they use different um, units of measurement for like radiation exposure. They have different processes. So when even though like in this example, the nuclear Navy education is still functional and actually an education. When you kind of mix those two, you're like, oh, you you're not even. They're We're not even speaking, speaking the same like, context. Yeah, exactly. They're totally yeah. talking two different things. Yeah, and that's that's how this feels. Where you know you have parents that were like, "Oh shit, my kid doesn't understand anything." <laughs> like well, I, outside of this protected bubble of this program, in the program they're a superstar. Outside of it, you're like, "Oh damn." Yeah, and I can't remember which it is. There's some mathematical sign. Is it the division sign? I can't remember. But like way later, we see Joy not understand what it is really as an adult like an adult like in the counting on show or like whatever and I wish they should have renamed that show <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but yeah it's like you're like oof like it's it comes through at moments like there's yeah. we all have our moments but like it comes through sometimes yeah it's like i never i never could have thrived with this curriculum i mean <laughs> we know like i it's not great but I just couldn't anyway because of the way it jumps around. Yeah. Like nothing is in chronological order either. So like history, for example, it doesn't, it doesn't go in chronological order or at the, 
or like the way we're used to it in school. You know how one year you studied U.S. history and another year you did world history. It's never divided up into like categories where you can kind of like grasp it. Like I feel like when you do it in those ways, you grasp a little more because you're like, I'm taking this one area or this one type of thing and I'm working my way through it. Third grade was like Arizona. So exactly. it's like we got Arizona history and then it's like, cool, that's a component in the in the country. Now that's a component in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like you, you get move context. through these little Exactly. And so it helps you and they're they're the building blocks where you understand these little bits and they all build off of each other. Mm-hmm. So um with them, there's none of that. And you don't have something that you focus on for a school year, except you just have these these topics or points in time that are just thrown out Mm -hmm. you know completely randomly right so one month science is about your countenance and your you Mm -hmm. know your eye traps and the next it's about the teeth or the eyes it's (laughs) like there's no you know it's like you know like in sixth grade your science was about like for me at least it was like that's when you learned about the body and the reproductive system like that was Mm -hmm. sixth grade and then this other year it was like you're more of like the biology like and then this one is more chemistry or like whatever it's just completely random i don't know how i could never take in information that way yeah i don't want to one minute be reading about character qualities and the next paragraph is suddenly talking about the eye like right it doesn't it would not work for me at all i just want to know which section do they talk about the lustful charts you know i'll find it for you okay that's what i'm excited about I wrote, I wrote it down, but I didn't write down, write down which booklet it came from when I wrote it down. I'll find it for you. We'll, maybe that'll be the one that we go over someday. Let's people look at that X-axis. <laughs> so It's really weird to me that he views uh, it as such as a positive thing that the subjects are divided up, <laughs> which to me seems like one of the biggest, besides the overall lack of things, but just to me that sticks out as a hugely detrimental thing. Mm-hmm. Like... How does a person learn when you're not going, we're talking about math, we're talking about science, we're talking about, like, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. It's not a bug, it's a feature. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it feels. Hey, this is really a deficiency, but it's causing this. Uh, It's it's not a, it's a feature. It's a feature. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. The whole thing is just really, actually very sad to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, kids get left behind fall through the cracks, whatever you want to say, whatever. It happens all the time um, where they don't get what they need exactly. Mm-hmm. It happens in public education. It happens in other homeschooling settings and other curriculums too. Everybody so, learns a little different. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that it's not an unfortunate thing that happens in a, a variety of places for a mm-hmm. variety of reasons. Yeah. Because unfortunately it does. Mm-hmm. But in this particular situation, it just feels like the odds are stacked against that. You know, like <laughs> yeah. the idea, the, the likelihood of you getting left behind in some way and not Kirk Cameron uh, type way. Um, <laughs> it just seems probability is very high. Right. Very, very high. And, and I think there's just like several things to like kind of pick apart here. The first is the obvious shitty curriculum with serious gaps, clearly. (laughs) I feel like that just goes without saying at this point. It's just obvious. But then you have them in a situation where the average family doing this has like seven kids. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that early special when they were at the ATI conference and like every family, like the the small family had like six or seven kids. (laughs) They all had like 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. So it's like this is catering to a situation where it is a large family. Yep. So... Don't have time to teach your kids everything they need to succeed in life? 
<laughs> Follow this. Like that's a like that feels like that's part of the pitch that they would make for this. You know what I mean? So it's like on top of already having this massive family where you you may be going into it thinking, oh, this mom has a lot of kids to teach. Then on top of that, it's completely normalized and actually written into it encouraged mm. for the older siblings to step in and do the work yep so that the mom can do whatever the fuck else she feels like doing <laughs> and so with, this is a twofold problem though mm-hmm. not only should a fellow child not be in charge of another child's educational needs but it is now also taking away from their own education there's Correct. no way it doesn't mm-hmm so an ex-ATI girl spoke of like barely having time in a day to do her own work, which shocking. It's like mm-hmm. it's like how Lego was like, oh, she was more tired than the boy. Oh, so shocking <laughs> that this why. girl has no fucking time. And this isn't against her. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. Oh, really fucking shocking, right? She barely has time for her fucking self and her own education. Right. Because they spend how much of the day teaching the other, being the teacher to their siblings. Mm-hmm. They're having to do their own chores. They're having to do... The devotionals and Bible study. They're having to stop periodically. You know, they're having to stop and go do lunch. And then make sure the other kids are doing their their duties. And like one girl was saying that, like, you know, when you'd be in the middle of trying to work on something, you have to go change a diaper. So it's like they're doing all of it. They're being a mom and a student all at the same time. Yeah. So here's the last one that I, to me, it's like the final, like nail in the coffin for the whole Mm -hmm. thing. So not everyone here on this earth is cut out to be a teacher (laughs) agree it takes it takes a certain skill set uh to me a lot of which there's like a i feel like there's a natural inclination a a natural thing in you where you're kind of like as a personality as a person you're kind of a natural teacher correct but then you do have to then hone those skills Mm -hmm. not everybody has that inclination not or those skills yep so not everybody's cut out for that and it's totally okay. But the problem here is that I don't think all these mothers and families joining ATI, I don't think we're lucky enough to have all of those people be good teachers. Good teachers, <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. It's just, it's just not possible. But it's like now they're almost they're almost effectively forced into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mean like a gun is being held to their hand, you know, their head and they're having to be like, you need to homeschool your children. It's societal pressure. It is. It's absolutely. It's like because now they've almost attached like morality to it in a way Mm -hmm. because of it was like, this is the right way. Because remember, there's no such thing as neutral education. Mm -hmm. It's either godly or godless. So it it does kind of make it like a a morality. This is the way Mm -hmm. to do it. This is the only way. Yep. So now, even if this is what they, like, air quotes, want to do, mm. it's under a form of pressure or peer dependence, as he likes to call it. <laughs> you know, he's all, he was talking about peer dependence. Right. Well, here we go. Mm-hmm. We know he's not actually against it, or yeah. they aren't actually against it. Yep. So, like we talked about in that, um, that second Joshua Harris episode, when you see someone with these, like, higher standards... You feel the pressure. You feel the need to meet those same standards. Correct. So that's exactly what's happening here. So we get a whole bunch of people who should not be teachers, who should not be homeschooling their kids, and now they are. Yep. With a shitty curriculum that then, on top of it, offers no real guidance on how to actually teach it. Correct. So it's like a shit on shit on shit. Mm Mm-hmm. 
it's just sad. It's it's to me, it's really setting their kids up for failure, or at least, if not failure, a diff- a more difficult time. Yeah. Like I think that they've really got they've got a lot to work against. Mm-hmm. And it's like I wonder how many of them actually go on to take the GED. Ooh, that would be an interesting kind of like ratio to look at. Because how many of them do they not give a shit because the women are going to go be mothers? Correct. Or, and we'll talk about in the future, but it's very much just like, they're very, the men are very encouraged to open their own businesses, do their own thing. So like how many actually take the step to take the GED? I'd be curious to know a percentage. Because they're probably like, we don't need it. Yeah. Like I think about John David was talking about opening up his own like towing company. You don't need to know a bunch of world history to have a towing company. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he doesn't need that in the traje- trajectory that he thinks he's going to take. And if I- all of them say they want to be um, missionaries, they don't need to know like advanced math to be a missionary. Nope. You know? So yeah, I think that's kind of, I think that kind of sums it up for me. It's wild. The it's delusion just, of it is yeah. insane. It's just, it hits a point, and you see that with a lot of kind of cult-like groups where the ability to speak with that much confidence and nothing to back up that level of confidence or that statement is mind-blowing. I know. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't have to do with whether it's true or not. All that matters is that the people People that follow believe it. So, and I feel like when you see situations that are getting serious in their level of cult-like behavior, that's when you start to see them say whatever the hell they want. Because they're like, I can say anything, and these idiots eat it up, mm-hmm. yep. and they keep putting money in my pocket. And like I said, they're deep in it at this point. And I think mm-hmm. that that plays it, whether people realize it or not. So they've done these two seminars, and then now they're sinking money into the curriculum and they're like i'm in it now whether whether they actively think it or not i think that they are like this is where we're going yeah and this there's no turning back this is just how it is now yeah and i reference i think on top of the community and the social kind of like stigma that they're risking if they say anything untoward um this group or these people or this system you also have the sunken cost fallacy yeah we've spent so much money that you are not, you are going to be less likely to pull the eject button, mm-hmm. you know, or pull the eject lever. So. And th- that also goes into time. Like, cost is also time. It's like, there's a lot of things that go into that. Yeah. And then also you have, like, because you have to go to conference and that becomes such a big social thing. If as a parent, you're like, hey, this ain't working for me. Now you're ripping your kids' only friends away from them that They're they see t- once yep. a year. You know. And then also for the dad, he's like, I threw out my porn for this. We can't even watch TV anymore. We're doing this. Yep. Remember, you know, they cleansed their house. They kicked out the code man. Oh, they they code can't man. go back on it now. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> I just remembered something that I never put back into my notes, but I just wanted to reference real quick. Okay. Remember how I said that at 54, the 54 booklets comes out to about 3,000 pages of content. And I was like, mm, that's really not a lot. Mm. My point is 3,000 pages of liter like curriculum over the course of 12 years is nothing nothing that's nothing Mm -hmm. so that was i meant to write that in later on and especially when you consider that four of those years is a complete five of those years Mm -hmm. is a complete repeat 
Yep. That's nothing. I think when I, di- I don't remember, I, I divided it out at one point, but I'm like, that's absolutely nothing. It's like yep. f- 55 pages a month. Once you hit like sixth grade, your books were like eight, 900 pages. You know what it's I mean? It's crazy. And so all of a sudden for an entire 12 years, 3,000 pages is it. Like that's nuts. <laughs> I feel like Dr. Death. Remember when we were watching Dr. Oh, Death? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about, if you haven't watched it, um, Peacock, right? Yeah. Um, fantastic, do- like, kind of true crime documentary. And I listened to the podcast first, and that's good. Yeah. Nice. They had, like, a dramatized version um, that was on there as well that was pretty good with uh, with Pacey himself. Pacey, man. <laughs> Fucking Pacey. I was not into Pacey. I was not into any of those, man. They were all gross to me. <laughs> Shout out Joshua Jackson. He was in one of the best sci-fi shows I just shows call them gross. Watched. I don't want to shout him out if I just call them gross. Well, I'm going to shout him out because I actually <laughs> loved the show. Uh, um, oh, my God. Now I'm blinking. Um, it, was on, it was sci-fi. It was on Fox. Anyway, the whole point of this is um, Dr. Death, they talk about how he made it through his, like, residency. But he kept, like, skirting doing the surgeries that he needed to graduate and the number that he needed versus the number of like surgeries that he actually did was like so so backwards Insane, yeah and it was like you need to have 300 of these surgeries done and he had like 6 you know what i mean like the ratio was so bad it's nuts for for clarification i'm not saying he's actually gross i was just <laughs> saying that back in the day when Dawson's Creek was on i as a child did not understand i did not think find either Pacey or Dawson uh, attractive. I did not. <laughs> so just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. And the f- Fringe was the show. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Some of the best, like, sci-fi on TV since, like, X-Files. It was amazing. So, all yeah. right, Mildred. Good thing Mildred's education isn't based off of this system. <laughs> oh, Mildred. I don't know how you do in a classroom. Awful. <laughs> but she's so cute. <laughs> And she doesn't have stinky breath anymore. <laughs> um, so we actually only have one episode left mm-hmm. of this season. So we're in season two. Yeah. One final episode to go. It's weird. So um, we might do maybe another Q&A like we did last. I don't know. We'll kind of see that what was people fun. think. Um, so in that case, then we would have two episodes left for the season. But we only have one actual episode to watch left. Correct. So it's winding down. Yeah. I actually have a couple of good ideas that might come to fruition of things to do kind of in that break. Okay. Yep. All right. So So I guess that's it. Mildred is passed out. She is. Oh, yeah. She's. Okay. Yep, (laughs) she is. I just moved my arm and she is not happy about it. Nope. Um, All right. Close it out. Let's close it out. So, as normal, join us for some fun visual shenanigans and some interaction things on Instagram at Digging Up the Duggers Pod. You can shoot us an email over at Digging Up the Duggers at Gmail. I said that word. 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 Said that word. I'm you done said that talking. Word. Dude, I've been talking for so long. I'm so fucking done talking. Feel free to buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the dug. And, of course, if you want to send us anything snail mail, which we absolutely adore, um, you can send it to P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. So, have yourselves a good week. Don't be a selfish piñata. <laughs>